Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. And we have a special uh, 4th of July weekend uh, show for you. We're going to be going over all the trades and the free agency and everything that's happened uh, the couple days before that. Um, also, July 1st, obviously, all the different moves that happened. And basically, the Ducks and what they didn't do. And addressed you know, tons of your fan questions. Obviously, a lot of people aren't happy right now. We're going to get through all those. So if you're hanging out with your friends or family and you're barbecuing, you know, kick back and uh, give, give the podcast a listen. And uh, we'll hopefully get all your issues and concerns addressed. So going back to the middle of this week, Eddie, uh, actually before the free agency is when kind of the bomb went off on social media. We had three moves made in one day, uh, you know, on the 29th, right before the free agency window opened up. We had Hall getting traded for Larson. We saw Weber and Subban getting switched uh, spots. And then we also saw Stamkos stay in Tampa Bay, all within the span of about 30 minutes, Eddie. And pretty much social media and hockey fans you know, just went crazy that day. But what did you think about these three different, uh, you know, two trades and the one re-signing? Uh, I mean, it has to be like craziest 30 minutes in, in at least in hockey history for trades and, and signings. I mean, we've been waiting for Stamkos and his decision pretty much since the beginning of the year when, when all this started. And I mean, we, we've been hearing rumors about Subban and, and you know, the, the you can't see if it was confirmed or not. Obviously it, it ended up being, I mean, the, one of the bigger deals of the day. And then we've, we've talked about Hall coming to Anaheim multiple times and, and them having to bring in a defenseman and it all kind of just, came to a head uh, in in 30 minutes on June 29th and it was just insane and it kind of all kicked off in the morning with the Taylor Hall trade and uh, I mean this one was was one of the craziest ones because you know we were expecting to to be in on that we heard uh, what the return would likely be what you know what teams were looking for what Edmonton was looking for 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 Taylor Hall and it ends up being just a, a one for one hockey deal for for with New Jersey for Adam Larson and uh, I mean, Adam Larson, a, a former you know top three pick for the for the New Jersey Devils, uh, you know hasn't panned out offensively like they would have expected. He's a, he's a really solid defensive defenseman, and, and really what the Oilers need is a right shot and everything. But you know, very surprised that that's all Taylor Hall gets you. Uh, I mean, you would have expected a couple guys, maybe some picks to come back. You know, Taylor Hall's one of the the top left wings in in the game, and, and you see it go back and, and just uh, just a, a surprising and. and you know, curious deal at the same time. I know Edmonton Oilers fans, they're happy at the same time, but I think a lot of them were disappointed that all you got back was Adam Larson. Uh, I think come this season when, you know, they actually see how much of a difference their team plays with Adam Larson compared to with Taylor Hall, I think they'll they'll kind of forget that it was a one-for-one. One. Um, but definitely surprising in a crazy way to kick off the day. Uh, and then obviously, like you said, it continues and we get another hockey deal, uh, uh, arguably an even bigger one, where you get the two highest paid defensemen in the NHL swapped for each other. And, and no no surprise really for Subban being traded, but I think the big surprise was Nashville trading Shea Weber. I, I mean, no point in any time of the year did we ever think Shea Weber would be on the move. I think a lot of people thought he would be in Nashville for the rest of his career, but you know, if you're in Nashville's position and you have a chance to make a trade like this, you can acquire a, a defenseman who's a lot younger, uh, a team like Montreal who's looking to move him out, and obviously they're not looking to move out their captain, but when you you have this opportunity presented to yourself, I think they had to, to jump on it. And now, you know, the, their defense uh, was already scary to begin with. Now they've got Subban paired with uh, with Roman Yossi, and I think, you know, they got even better over, over this uh, over this June. And it, it's just insane to see a deal like this go down, especially with the one that came before it. Yeah, and I agree. And I, I think, you know, the first trade, too, like you talked about, the Edmonton fans kind of going, what? You know, we could have got more players. You know, a lot of Ducks fans are upset, too, because we'd been looking at that left wing, uh, you know, bringing one in that Murray wanted to do. And, and you see Hall go one for one. So a lot of people are like, well, hey, you know, you could have traded Anaheim you know, uh, straight up for Fowler or maybe another player or whatnot. But 
I don't know if they would have done that. I mean, obviously being in the same division is maybe why they made that move, you know, because they, they went not only outside the division, they went outside the conference. So maybe that's part of the reason why Edmonton did what they did. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm just thinking that might have been the reason why they didn't go with Anaheim on that end. And then, like you said, the, the Weber and the Subban deal, I had heard some rumblings. I know other people had too, but uh, one of my contacts in Montreal had told me that Subban and Pacioretty basically were not getting along at all and uh, that it wasn't just them two. There was other players as well. So there's a lot of that locker room type stuff that's going on, uh, which is uh, you know part of the reason for him not you know uh, coming back, obviously, and then the move. Um, like you said, though, it was surprising to see Weber get sent. Uh, you know, the other thing that was surprising, though, too, about all this was Stamkos uh, staying because, you know, everybody was hyping up the Stamkos sweepstakes and, you know, there's 10 teams in on them. And no, there's 12 teams, there's 14 teams. And we saw all these reports. And uh, I thought it was interesting, but you, you kind of had a little bit of a theory on this, Eddie. And, and uh, you know, what was your take with Stamkos uh, staying in Tampa Bay? You know, I, I think it was just funny that, I mean, all year – Usually we would expect a player like this to sign ahead of time. We've seen, I mean, you know, the, the Lightning sign Hedman before he hits free agency. You've seen teams, you know, they, they like to get these signings done before. And the fact that he didn't, I think we all accepted the fact that he was going to go somewhere, either it be Toronto or Buffalo or Detroit or Boston or Rangers or, or, or any of the other teams in on it. I mean, we never really counted Tampa Bay out, but the fact that, it took so long to get him to sign, and then you know he kind of trolls the other teams in a way and, and, and signs with Tampa Bay a day before free agency or two days before free agency opens, and, and he just decides to go back to Tampa. It takes eight and a half million, which I think uh, you know I would with a tax situation in in, uh, in Florida, it might work out to be the same. But uh, on the salary wise, uh, he took a little bit of a hit. You were expecting him to get around you know what Kane and Taves make in, in ten million, but. You know, he decides to stay in Tampa, and, and it just kind of surprises everybody. It's a it's a weird situation to, to be in, especially with all the trades going on. Then you have this where, you know, a guy, a superstar in the league, you never see them hit free agency, and then he ends up just going back to the team that didn't sign him all year. So it's just kind of an, an interesting situation uh, to be in. Yeah, and it all came, you know, in a 30-minute span on that day. So everybody, you know, <laughs> basically that whole day, I think it took all of us, you know, several hours to wrap our heads around everything that was going on because as each one came out, you were like, okay, what, you know, what's next? What's going to happen? You know, we had these these three different transactions occur, and then the rest of the day mellowed out. There was nothing. And then the day before um, the free agency, again, there was nothing. And then obviously we went into the free agency and, and Friday, uh, you know, morning, uh, you know, nine o'clock Pacific time, uh, 12 o'clock Eastern, obviously it went, uh, you know, crazy. I mean, we were trying, you and I were trying to keep up along with the other people on our staff trying to, you know, see who was going where and how much. And I mean, it, it was like, they were just coming in constantly. Um, and a lot of big players got moved or got signed. Uh, you know, we saw Erickson get picked up by Vancouver. Lucic goes to Edmonton for his big deal. Ladd finds himself in the New York Islanders. Uh, Bodker ends up in uh, San Jose, just to name some of the big ones that went out right away. And um, while all that's going on, the <laughs> Doc fans are hanging out, and there's really nothing going on. And um, everybody's getting anxious and getting anxious. Uh, and then in the afternoon, you could see the anxiety turning into frustration. And, you know, by the end of the day, Eddie, uh, you know, 660 million plus um, in contracts doled out that day. And only one team didn't do anything. And that was the Ducks. So, I mean, it was it was an interesting day. Um, we'll talk a little bit about more of why it, it happened that way for Anaheim. But what was your initial reaction to all the, the big name players getting signed and all the craziness that happened the first couple hours? Well, well, this is the result of being able to talk to teams five days ahead of time, and I think this is the the reason that they've 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 put this in place. Is is now everything happens right away? I mean, you look at they showed a stat on, on Sports Center, and and you know the the years before this rule was uh, was in place, there's only maybe ten. 12 to 30 million spent on day one because teams were just starting to negotiate with with the players and and now the fact that you you know you can have deals in place and already they all just kind of flood in right when the doors open they've already pretty much had these deals in place for for a couple days leading up to free agency for at least for the big names and obviously that's the case you see lad like you said go to, to the islanders right off the bat erickson to vancouver lucic to edmonton you get nielsen to detroit 
you know, Ocposo to, to Buffalo, Bacchus to Boston. You get these all within like the first 30 minutes of the, of the window opening. And, you know, it's just, it's the fact that, that you can negotiate with, with any team five days before, I think is why you get the, the flood coming in right off the bat. I mean, it, it's great for teams and for the players, but for, for us trying to, trying to cover it and put out all the news, it's a little bit crazy and hectic right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, looking at these moves, uh, one of the fans asked us, uh, Daniel, he asked about, uh, you know, is, is there a certain one that you think a team will regret or certain ones? Uh, you know, on, on my end, I, I really didn't think the Lucic thing with Edmonton was going to happen. I mean, especially after, you know, supposedly there was the comments that he wasn't going to be, you know, going there. But obviously he couldn't say anything because that's, you know, you can't wait till um, you have to wait till Friday. But I don't know about that. I, I mean, I even laughed. Somebody on Twitter put out something funny saying, you know, this is Lucic's career playoff stats, you know, basically alluding to he'll never make the playoffs again, which I, I thought that was pretty hilarious. But I, I just, I don't know. That one I thought maybe the term was too long uh, for Edmonton. But that's one that I thought was kind of weird. But any of the other ones out there, either money or term, that you thought you know might backfire like Daniel's asking about? Yeah, like, like, listen, all of them I think money-wise uh... – we're pretty fair. I, I think that's what the the going value was on, on these players. I just think you know all the big name ones. The term was either five to seven, maybe even eight years for some players, and it was just. I think the term is what killed them. And, and honestly, almost all the big name deals that were signed were were pretty bad. Most of these guys are thirty. I think the youngest was was being Ocposo at twenty eight. You know, you get Lad who's thirty. He signs for seven years at five and a half. I mean. There's no doubt he's on the decline. I don't think he's going to be the same player he is right now at 30 than he is at, at 37, and the Islanders are stuck with him. You've got Erickson signed for six years with Vancouver, who's in, in a position right now who you know they think they're in a rebuild, but they're not really in a rebuild because they've still got the Sedin, so they're trying to you know bring things up on the fly and. And, you know, this deal might come back to hurt them later down the road if they're trying to, to actually go full rebuild when, when the Sedins are done. Uh, and you, you look at Lucic, I, I know I, I think this is exactly what Edmonton needs in, in Lucic and the player he is and, and, you know, the presence he brings and, and what, you know, the style of game he plays. But, you know, seven years at six million for a guy who's going to be 35 when his contract runs out. You know, you're eventually going to have to sign guys like McDavid. You obviously gave up Hall, but... You know, Pooley Arvey, who they just had, you'll have to sign him too within seven years. And, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it's a good deal for them in the short term. And, and, right. and they know the three to four year picture. But I think when you get into those five, year five, six, and seven, I think it's going to come back and hurt them. Um, and then I guess looking at the last two, you've got uh, Nielsen going to Detroit. Obviously, they're they're attempting here to, to and obviously not replace Datsuk, but bring in a center who can support uh, Henrik Zetterberg and. No, it's it's a good deal. Five point two five. I think he deserves it the way he's played with the Islanders. I think he'll do really well in Detroit. But he's thirty two and he signed a six year deal, so he's there till he's thirty eight at five point two five million. Um, you know, you you don't have Datsuk's contract anymore. You kind of get out of that. But you know, we we look at the signings that Detroit made. They they're gonna have to move out some forwards because they've got a lot right now. And obviously, we'll get in that later. Um, and, and then the last one, you've got uh, Ocposo going for for seven years to to the Sabers. I, I know I think the the cap hit is fair considering he he only made two point eight five million dollars last year, um, and he scored sixty four points for the Islanders. So I mean he had a great season. He goes to the the Sabers. He's, he's going to really help there. Uh, but again, a, a seven year contract, which takes him till he's thirty five in, in a team that is is kind of in the middle of a rebuild right now. They brought in Eichel and and Reinhardt and Ristolainen, but you know, they're still looking for a number one goaltender, you know, another defenseman. Obviously, they've been in looking at Fowler. And I, you know, it's just a long term when you're going to have to, you know, sign some other guys down the road. No, you know, you make a good point about all this, too, because a lot of the fans are, uh, you know, obviously upset that Murray didn't, you know, didn't do anything as far as, you know, making any kind of moves. I mean, I, I know he's on the phone doing all the stuff he got to do, but as far as the results, there was nothing out there. So uh, obviously we had a lot of fan questions, basically, you know, WTF, what are the Ducks doing? Why haven't they done anything? And part of it is exactly what you talked about, Eddie. You see all these big-term contracts that got doled out in the first you know, half hour and the couple of hours on Friday. These contracts are not the kind of contracts that Murray wants to do. And that's exactly why these, you know, he, at least they put the first few hours not, you know, getting these kind of a deals because, you know, we talked about Lucic and Ladd, uh, Boddicker. We talked about some of these players that are left wingers that the Ducks might want to bring in. 
But the problem is, is he's not going to want to tie up one of these guys seven years for you know four or five million a year uh, when you still got Lindholm and Raquel sitting on the side, and those deals aren't done. So that's part of the problem. Uh, why things you know maybe didn't go the way some fans anticipated with nothing getting done. Um, you know, at least in the early part of Friday uh, morning and then afternoon. Uh, because if you look at uh, Lindholm and Raquel, we have another question from Richard. He asks about them getting re-signed and how much they'll cost. I mean, Eddie, you look at both of these guys. I mean, they're going to take eight or nine million, most likely combined. And the Ducks have you know fourteen, fifteen million in cap space. I mean, if the Ducks would have gotten one of these big name players, they would have had zero cap, and that would have been a huge problem. Yeah, and really, you have to look at realistically what these guys are going to sign for. And you, you know, I mean. What we've seen the last few days, we've we've actually seen a lot of young defensemen, you know, sign specifically. Uh, one I'm I like to compare it to is his Tory Krug signing in Boston for four years at five point two five. We we speculated for a while now. We we think Lindholm would get anywhere from five to six million. I, I think we'd be surprised if it's any lower, or any higher than that. You know, probably four or five six years. I I think that's what they're working on. That that will most likely, obviously, we can't confirm, but that would be most likely what you would expect a guy like Lindholm at his age and, and the production that he's had and, and how you know how valuable he is to to this team and what he would get. Um, and then interestingly enough, we saw Hurdle get a two year bridge deal with with the San Jose Sharks at two years, uh, three million dollar cap hit. You know, that's a deal I would like to see Raquel sign. I think. They're very similar in the production they've had for their team over the last few seasons, their age and where they are in their career. And I think it'd be beneficial for, for the Ducks and, and maybe even for Raquel to, to sign that bridge deal right now. Only be uh, you know at a two-year contract, show us what he can prove. He's going to have a, a, an improved role next year. We obviously saw how well he did last year. Um, I think a bridge deal around three, three and a half million is what we'd expect for Raquel. And then, like you said, that puts us at the eight or nine million dollar range and no, you really can't sign a, a Ocposo, an Erickson, a Lucic, a, a lad at seven years for you know six to, to five to six million dollars when you have to sign those two important young players. Uh, I mean, I, I understand Ducks fans being angry about signing nobody because there were a couple of deals that probably could have been made. We saw Jason Chimera go to the Islanders for two years at 2.25. That's a guy I think, I well, at least I would have liked to see come to the Ducks. You know, there was a lot of other deals. We saw McGinn go for three years at 3.3 from the Ducks. We saw Stewart only go for two years and he only got 1.15 per. I think uh, a deal like that could have been done. Um, but you got to look at, at, at least with Stewart and, and with Perron, they went back to teams they had already been. You know, Stewart's have been with Minnesota before. He knows a lot of the players. He's good friends with Matt Dumba. It seemed like he wanted to go back there. He might have even taken a bit of a pay cut to go back there with Minnesota signing Eric Stahl as well. And then obviously with David Perron, he took a bit of a pay cut in less term to go back and play with the Blues where he started his career. And it seemed like that was really the only destination he wanted to go. Obviously Montreal was rumored, but it really did look like he wanted to go back to St. Louis. So I think... You can't really blame Murray in, in those deals and not trying to bring those players back because it seemed like they wanted to leave, and maybe that's nothing against the Ducks. They just wanted to go and, and play in an environment where they're comfortable playing, and you really we couldn't expect him to sign any of those big names either. So, Yeah, I mean, we know he tried to keep Perron, and that didn't work out. So it could have been, like you said, a situation where he wanted to go back to something that he was familiar with as well. Uh, just like with Stewart's case, I, I think the one that kind of surprised me out of that was Hudobin. Uh, you know, he had talked about going to the KHL, and then he ends up too going back to a former team. Eddie, he goes back to Boston. So you saw that with three of the the Ducks players, they all went back to uh, former teams, which is kind of interesting. I know Hudobin's situation is a little bit different because he was getting tired of being in the AHL as opposed to the NHL, but. You know, I had wondered if maybe the Ducks had tried to talk to him and bring him up since we don't have a backup because there were other backup goalies that went off the table too. Um, yesterday you saw Chad, uh, Chad Johnson get signed. You saw Montoya go over to Montreal. So you saw some of those too, Eddie, that were gone. So uh, we'll talk about it in just a second. But, you know, the field really narrowed uh, on Friday uh, come later in the day. And I think that's where the fans got more upset, Eddie. And I and I I get it. I mean, I, I think with the big name players like you and I talked about, it financially there was no way the Ducks were going to be able to do it. But once you saw these other players leaving um, and going to other teams for you know not too expensive deals, I, I I can see why the fans started to get even more upset at that point. 
Yeah, and like you said, once you see those backup goalies going away, we obviously knew we would need to do that after signing Freddie. You see them going for pretty cheap to to other teams as well, like Montoya going to, to Montreal was a little bit surprising. Obviously, they've got Condon in price as well. You would think the Ducks would have been right in on him with obviously needing a backup goalie. We see him go. You see guys like Stahlberg go to Carolina for cheap. You see Matthias go to, to Winnipeg, Stampniak go to Carolina. You know, you, you see a lot of these guys go for cheap, and even Vanek to, to go to Detroit for only $2.6 million. You know, a lot of guys that we would expect the Ducks at least to, to be in on to sign or to sign at least one of them to, to fill some of the depth walls with the Ducks right now only being down to seven forwards uh, with uh, the, the obviously we're assuming Raquel signs and, and Thompson being out that puts us down to, to only seven right now. You know, the, the looking up at bringing a lot of players and, and not bringing in anybody nobody to to fill the spots of the players we left i think that was the most frustrating thing for ducks fans you know when you get later in the day and you, you see you know teams around you getting better like you see the 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 king sign purcell for one year at 1.6 you know that's a a player you would expect the ducks to be in on especially for a deal like that you know you see um san jose get a lot better signing bodker for four years at full four million you know, when you when you see these players go for so cheap to it, especially when you're sitting there and the Ducks have literally the only team who has done nothing all day, um, and, and they're one of the teams who who needs to fill so many spots after losing players, it, it just gets frustrating. And, and I can you know sympathize with with the fans for sure. You know, and, and try to explain why this happened. There's a couple couple things I can offer up to people listening. I mean, I, obviously, you're not happy because the Ducks don't. They, you know, we're the only team that cannot field a whole team to play right now, which is which is crazy when you think about that. You look at all the lineups around the league, all 29 teams. You know, pretty much have a, a roster that they can go out there and do what they got to do. We don't. Um, we're going to talk about later some ways of addressing that. Obviously, with trades, and there are still some free agents out there. I know it's hard to believe, but. Some of the problems, I think, Eddie, is the way that the money is tied up in the team. Uh, if you look, uh, and you go on general manager or cap friendly, you can look this up. But if you look at the forward situation, you have Perry, Getzloff, and Kessler that are tied up in $25 million. And then you go to the blue line, you look at Botnan, Dupree, Fowler, Stoner, and uh, Bieksa, you have another $20-plus million you know, locked up. So you have you know, over $45 million locked up in these guys. Uh, which is part of the problem, as we talked about, because now you're you're at that 15 mil on the cap, but you're also trying to sign Lindholm and Raquel. And part of the problem, is, and you, you're aware of with Lindholm, is his agent is Claude Lemieux. And if people don't realize this, Claude Lemieux is a pain in the ass. I mean, I, that's just the only way to put it. He He's a pain in the ass on the ice. You can ask anybody that played with him or against him, they'll tell you that. And he's the same way as being an agent. And he's new, and he's trying to make a name for himself. So the way you make a name for yourself is you get big contracts. And that's what he did with Anderson. He got him a big contract, 25 mil, five-year. And, you know, I don't fault Lemieux for that. I mean, he's, he's new in the thing, and he's trying to do what he's got to do. But, you know, he gets a big contract. So now he's he's trying to get a big one with Lindholm. You know that's for sure. So to me, that's been a huge stumbling block, is the Ducks have some of these contracts locked down on some players, uh, you know, especially Stoner and BX. Obviously, we've talked about those in the podcast at length several times, and we're going to talk about it more later as well. But I think that combination, as well as not getting the Lindholm deal done yet, it's kind of it's like a domino effect, Eddie. It's like you've got these players locked up, and you're trying to sign these other guys, and they're not done. And I mean, not that you know Murray has to sign uh, Lindholm now, but it's like there's that uncertainty. You haven't figured out what you're going to do with him and Raquel yet and how much you're going to get. And it's hard to go and say, okay, I'm going to go get these guys because I'm locked up trying to get this negotiation done with Lemieux, on, especially on Lindholm, because that's the biggest one. I'm not saying that the Ducks shouldn't have gone out and got people. I'm just trying to tell you this is part of the problem that Murray's been facing and dealing with large contracts and, and, and getting these two guys uh, you know, back on the team. Yeah, and, and like you said, there's no – time limit to, to really sign these guys you have as long as you really want to i mean you you have till december 1st to to sign your rfas obviously it's not going to take that long but we saw last year take uh, up until august and september to to sign silverberg and you know it could realistically take that long again for both of these guys but you know i, I completely agree that you know when you're stuck trying to figure out how much you're going to pay these guys and 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 you know how much salary cap you're going to commit to these two players over the next few years it's hard to go out and, and say trade a guy like Fowler and bring in a, in a winger or go out and, and sign a free agent when you're not sure how much you're going to commit to these two important players 
players that are going to play a big part in your team for for the foreseeable future. So I understand there that that you know obviously that might be why Murray hasn't signed any free agents. You know we've you know the the issue there is you've seen a lot of guys go for one year contracts and and for little amounts. You know you would have expected to at least sign one of those guys, but. You know, it's a difficult situation to be in, and like you said, it's kind of a domino effect. You know, you you either see one of those guys get traded, and maybe some trades happen. You sign some of the free agents that are left, but you know, it's a it's a tough situation to be in right now for Murray, and and definitely for for Ducks fans. And going forward, I mean, obviously now you you've seen the way that the weekends played out. I mean, obviously we're we're still in the holiday weekend, and, and hopefully things will move along this coming week, but. There are things that the Ducks can do, and there's things that they're going to have to do because we don't have enough you know, forwards. I mean, period. That's just the way it is. Um, one question that was posed to us, and this is an option that maybe the Ducks will do, but Alex asks about the players that left, or, or not left necessarily, but weren't signed, Horkoff, Puri, Santarelli. And what are the chances of the Ducks bringing back one of those players? And you know, initially I would have said no. Um, I mean, that's, you know, Eric Stevens wrote in his article about some of these players not coming back. I heard on my end that Paris, they weren't going to bring him back either. So initially I would say no. But now that the way that these things have unfolded, you know, I don't know. Maybe Murray reconsiders some of the some of these guys, uh, Eddie. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he talks to one or two of them because, uh, you know, all the holes in the team and he can bring these guys back for a one or two year uh, deal on the cheap like you talked about. Yeah, I mean, along with those guys, there's definitely still some possibilities out there. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, like there's definitely you know just because we didn't offer sheet period, there's still a chance we could bring him back. You know, Horkoff, there's a chance that he could come back to Centerelli for sure. They're still out there. They're obviously going to be negotiating with other teams. I'm sure Murray would be in on those discussions. I, I believe he's you know you would believe he's talked to them before July first as well to see what could be done. Um, and definitely there's a chance we could bring them back, and there's a chance that you know we could sign any of the free agents that are still left. There's still some big names out there that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, you know, Do I think he's going to sign someone? Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're going to sign a free agent before, uh, you know, in the next couple weeks or a few days from now, I think they'll sign somebody. Obviously, we got our first signing last night, which to, to arrive a lot of Ducks fans wasn't really what they were expecting and, and getting a... <laughs> A two-way defenseman who's going to play most of the year with with, uh, with San Diego, but you know, well, we should expect some deals to come in through the next few days or, or, or weeks from now. And yeah, I, I definitely think he brings someone in if that's you know, Piri Horkoff or Santarelli. You know, I don't think I'd be surprised either. Yeah. Now, if you're looking out in the free agency world in general right now, and we'll take a look because this is you know what's left. You're, you're you're sitting at home. You're going, guys, give us some players that can come in and help this team because you know so many people went bye-bye on july 1st while we didn't do anything and of course like we said everybody's been frustrated but we'll give you some some options that are out there if you're looking at wingers that are out there in free agency some of the ones that you can look at are versteeg verbata uh, Hoodler, and then even uh, Matt Cullen as well. Uh, Pittsburgh's well over their cap. They're not going to be able to keep um, uh, Cullen around unless they did some restructuring. So he's out there too. Obviously, he's more of a fourth line option. But in the in, the, in terms of looking at you know uh, forward depth, those are some options there, Eddie. That you know you can't sniff at some of these guys. I mean, some of these guys did okay last year. I mean, Verbata had 13 goals. Versteeg had 15. Hoodler had 16. These are some guys that the Ducks could bring in. Uh, Hoodler shoots left. Colin shoots left. You could, you know, obviously Hoodler can play in a, a decent role. You could put Colin in that bottom six role. And these are some players that I would uh, suggest. Uh, you know, what do you think about these guys or maybe some other people? You know, I, I think they're good options. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Verbot. I think he's regressed a lot. Obviously, he's played in a in a bad situation in Vancouver, but you know, he's 35. He was minus 30 last year with, with the Vancouver Canucks. He only put up 27 points in 63 games. So, you know, I, I think he's definitely an option. Um, he'll, he'll obviously, uh, won't get as much as he made last year at 5 million. I think he'll be somewhere around two to three if, if he does get signed. Um, he's an option for the Ducks. I, I don't think he's the best option. You know, like you said, there's Versteeg out there who had 38 points last year, split in time between Carolina and, and L.A. You know, he's an option for the Ducks as well. Both of him and Verbata shoot right, which isn't a, a bad thing. We did lose uh, Perron as well, so you, you would expect them to bring in another right shot. 
Um, Yuri Hudler is an option. He did get 46 points last year with, uh, I think he split the time between uh, Calgary and Florida. So, you know, he made 4 million last year. He might make around the same, maybe a little bit less, uh, around 3. Um, you know, he's a good option for the Ducks if you can get him for two years, around $3 million. A good playmaking left winger can play right on the right side as well, shoots left. Um, no, I think he's a good option. I would expect the, the Ducks to, to be uh, in on him uh, over the next few days. Um, and like you said, Matt Cullen's still out there. We're going to have to bring in, in a fourth-line center uh, for Thompson because uh, he's out until most likely 2017. So you've still got you know Chris Kelly, Matt Cullen, Paul Galstad. You know, those guys are out there. Who, you know, Sean Horkoff, like we said before, who can come in and, and play fourth-line center. So there's still some options out there for the Ducks. Obviously, they're not the the big names that you you know you would uh, you would ex- expect to see in, in the earlier part of free agency. But I mean, I don't think any of us expected them to to bring in you know a marquee uh, a marquee player that in, uh, come July first. Yeah, I agree, and I, I mean, obviously, you know, priority one for Murray is keeping Raquel as far as in the forward situation. So you know, bringing him in is number one, and then bringing in some of these other players might be options. Um, if you look at the goalie situation, there's a handful out there too, Eddie. Um, you've got Scrivens, Enroth, and Ramo that are still available. So those are some guys that the Ducks could, you know, pick up and and back up. I'm not a big fan of Ramo. I I, I don't really. You know, I mean, I know it's Calgary, but I, I just, I don't think, uh, you know, he, he could do much. But I, I wouldn't be opposed to Enroth or Scrivens. I don't know what you think about those three guys in free agency, or maybe there's some other people out there that you would uh, look at. Yeah, so right now, um, if we don't sign anybody, we go in with Gibson and, and Tokarski. Um, I mean, Tokarski has backed up in the NHL, but it, it's not the ideal option. And then, like you said, you gave up pretty much the only three guys who I expect to, to be offered uh, free agent jobs, maybe... Uh, Anders Lindback, but I'm not too sure about that. So, you know, Ramo uh, shared a starting job last year in uh, Calgary. Uh, did okay. Had a 2.63 goals against average and a 909 save percentage. He was making 3.8 this year. I don't expect him to make that much. I think uh, most teams have their starting goalie set. So you would expect him to be signed as a backup. But, you know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, comfortable getting him. I think he is probably the best option available in free agency, which isn't the, the greatest thing right now. I, I think we expect Gibson to probably play around 60 games next year, maybe 50, depending on, on how he's playing and how management wants to, you know, handle his development. Um, but, you know, Ramo did play 37 games last year. It was the most of any of the, the free agents remaining right now. You know, in comparison, Scrivens played 15 last year. He spent a lot of time in the minors. Um, and Enroth played 16. Um, but I, I think if you're out of those three guys, I think the best option would be Jonas, en- en- Jonas Enroth. He, he did pretty good last year to seven wins, five losses, two shootout losses, had a pretty good uh, save percentage in .92 and a 2.17 goals against average. Uh, I believe he played in L.A. last year, though, and we know how some goalies can get inflated while they while they play in L.A. We've seen Scrivens have good numbers, Bernier have good numbers in L.A., and then struggle when they go elsewhere. So, you know, it's a tough decision right now, and, and you know, you could be looking at a trade as well. Yeah, you know, we'll go into the trade front now, basically, too. Um, as far as the goalie situation, it, it's, it's really yeah. narrow, uh, Eddie. I mean, we saw Montoya go to Montreal, so Mike Condon might be an option out there in Montreal, and we know that the Ducks have talked to Montreal, at least last week they had. So, I mean, th- that's really all I can offer up on the trade front on the goalies there. I mean, I, I think it's kind of slim pickings, but I think you're right. I, I would go with Enroth if you're going to, uh, you know, go with one of the three we talked about, and Scrivens would be this, maybe the second option. Yeah, I, I really think those are the only two suitable options for the Ducks right now. And then obviously Tokarski would be the the you know the easy out if they don't want to sign anybody. I think you let a lot of uh, good backups go. Gustafson went to Edmonton. You let Al Montoya go. Uh, you know you let uh, Chad Johnson go to Calgary, which would have been a good free agent signing for the Ducks. Um, you know it's disappointing to see guys that we hope to come in to to, to be you know good backups to a young goalie to to go out the way and. You know, now you've got a young goalie in Tokarski as an option, a younger goalie in Condon, a and a, a fairly young goalie in Enroth. You know, I was hoping to get an experienced guy like maybe Chad Johnson or even Al Montoya to come in and you know play behind Gibson and and, and help him out. But you know, you, your options are limited now, and I think they're going to have to make a signing in, in the next few days for a backup goalie before they're all gone. Yeah, and I mean, and that's that's really what you've got. You've got Condon for a trade, and and probably one of those other three, and that's really it. 
Uh, if you look at the forward situation in terms of trades, we do know that Detroit is interested in Fowler. That's been in the news before. And basically, uh, we've talked about this too, a lot amongst our staff too. If you look at teams out there, Detroit has the opposite problem of the Ducks. They have tons of forwards and they need help on the blue line. Ducks are the opposite. They have plenty on the blue line need forwards. So a trade there might be beneficial for both teams. And we talked about Tatar and Nyquist as being options. Um, obviously, uh, we kind of favor Tatar because uh, his scoring ability and his contract is less than Nyquist. You know, his, his is around two, uh, I think 2.7 when I last checked, and Nyquist is 4.7. So that might be some options there, Eddie. Detroit, you know, um, we haven't heard anything since last week, but if the Ducks want to, you know, send out a. Uh, someone on the blue line, and which is what they're probably going to have to do now to get some forward depth back, uh, I would look at Detroit. Yeah, and, and you look at Detroit uh, now signing Nielsen and signing Ott and Vanek, they, like, they've added to that forward group. And now, you know, according to, to Cap Friendly, they've got 16 forwards under contract who played in the NHL last year. Um, and then they've got two guys, I believe, in Mantha and, and the newly signed uh, Laredo, who they signed uh, from for from the AHL, who had a great season last year, who could be ready to play in the NHL. So, you know, they've got about 18 forwards right there, which is six too many. So, um, you know, bringing in Fowler for them would make sense. They've got Mike Green, Cronwall, uh, Smith, and, and you know, uh, they still have to sign Danny DeKaiser as their top four. And I think, you know, Fowler could definitely be a, a big advantage to them. It would help them a lot. And, and it just seems right now to be the trade partner who makes the most sense. Uh, you know, like you said, Thomas Tatar and, and uh, Gustav Nyquist are, are the two most likely guys to be moved by them. Um, they would have to sign Tatar next year. Um, and I think that's why, honestly, I think he is the best fit for the Ducks because he, he's more of a, shoot, a shooter, like while well, Nyquist is more of a playmaker. But I think with Tatar having to be re-signed next year and, you know, he'd be looking for around the same thing that Applicator and Nyquist make right now anyway, you know, I, I think there's a, a chance that if they decide to bring in a guy like Cam Fowler, you know, he, he's the most likely option for them to move out. And, and really, they you know, if it's the Ducks or another team, you know, they're going to have to make a move. Uh, you know, They have too many forwards already right now that are NHL ready, so they're, they're going to have to make a move. None of those guys are going to want to go down and play in the minors. So you know, they look like the most likely trade partner. Um, you know, Obviously, Toronto is still a, a very good fit with, uh, with JVR and Fowler. You know, we already talked about we're not too sure that you know, Toronto and, and Anaheim will want to get back into uh, another big trade. <laughs> obviously, with the Freddie Anderson trade happening earlier this year, or sorry, earlier like this month, that you would expect them to make another big trade. But you no, know, the the option is still there just because they've got both got two years left. The caps very similar, their ages are very similar, and it, and it fills needs for both teams. Um, but you know, I still think right now you would expect it to to happen between uh, Toronto or Detroit. Yeah, those have seemed to be, you know, maybe the best two right now. Uh, you know, an, another one that came up last week, which you and I both don't really think would happen, is uh, Colorado has been mentioned. Uh, first, it was mentioned that they had talked about Lindholm, which uh, that was shot down, obviously, by Murray. Then it came back uh, and heard that Fowler was also mentioned. I mean, obviously, he's been mentioned with probably every team in the league. The poor guy gets called, you know, in, in Hawaii. Uh, by Pierre Lebrun to talk about all this, you know, and he's trying to have vacation, which, you know, it's the one thing lost in all this. I, I feel bad for uh, Fowler because, uh, you know, I, I don't blame him not being on social media and not wanting to look at stuff because of all this going on as his name has come up so many times. But if we're going to look at Colorado, and some people mentioned that. I just don't really see anything there happening, Eddie. I mean, some people mentioned Duchesne. Some mentioned Landeskog. You know, I don't know. I mean, it, it just that one seems kind of least likely to me uh, just because based upon um, their positions in the team and their contracts, I, I just don't, I don't see it. I don't really see the Ducks, at least not trading those types of players, uh, you know, uh, from getting them from Colorado. Yeah, and we did, uh, you know, we heard a rumor a couple days ago. There was a couple people who, you know, are well respected for for insider, uh, you know, with trading and and hockey on, on Twitter, say that Colorado's working on something big, and then I, I think that took on a mind of its own, and a lot of people started to assume that was Landis Cog and Duchesne, and then a lot of Ducks fans, you know, taking that upon themselves to think that that Fowler could be going back for the Landis Cog Duchesne, and obviously that that's fair. I mean, that would what we would expect if they were going to make a trade that that would would be what would happen, but. 
you know, I just, to be honest, I just don't see Colorado trading their captain, let alone trading Matt Duchesne. And, you know, there is merit behind Matt Duchesne. He has been mentioned in trade rumors, you know, to teams like Ottawa and some other teams, even to us during the regular season around the trade deadline. But I just, I just don't see it happening. It doesn't mean it can't happen. You know, it, it does fill a need for both teams, but I just don't see them moving out uh, a player of that caliber right now uh, in the offseason. I think they'll they'll decide to wait. They've brought in, uh, you know, Tootin from uh, Columbus after he was bought out. They, you know, they've they've brought in a couple defensemen. You know, I, I think right now I think they're going to run with the defensemen they have. So realistically, well, I mean, there aren't too many options right now. I, I don't think Edmonton is an option anymore after them trading for uh, Howell for Adam Larson. I think they're going to go in with the forward group they have. If they do make a move for another defenseman, it's probably trading Ryan Nugent Hopkins, which uh, is obviously not a fit for Anaheim right now with him being another center. So you, you, you really just have to look at, like we mentioned before, Detroit as being really the number one option right now. Uh, Toronto with with just JVR and then maybe possibly the Buffalo Sabres just because they showed a lot of interest in, in Camp Valley but you know slowly uh, your your trade options are, are, are shrinking so yeah I agree I, I don't think there's a, a lot of them out there I mean I think those ones that we mentioned are really the teams to you know keep your eye on you know like we said Toronto Detroit especially uh, like you said, maybe Edmonton, maybe Buffalo, and, and and maybe Colorado. Those are kind of the ones that you know are out there right now. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's another team out there, and there's something else that you know another team wants to uh, you know unload to, to get a defenseman. But uh, that's kind of what we've heard in the last week or so right now. And uh, as far as the on the Ducks' end, I mean, if you look at the blue line, obviously they're going to keep Votnin because they just got his deal done. Um, and I would say out of the rest, it's, I mean, it's probably, uh, I mean, everybody's talking about Fowler, but um, Dupree would probably be another one that I, that the Ducks may try to move. We've heard that before. So I think it would come down to Dupree or Fowler. I, I really don't know if the Ducks can move Stoner or Bieksa with those contracts. I, you know, I just don't know if people would want to pay both of them, um, you know, what they're getting now. Plus Bieksa has to uh, waive his no-movement clause so that, you know, that wouldn't happen either most likely. But um, that is uh, another fan question that someone did ask about um, with the Ducks, you know, blue line depth. Obviously, we think it's going to change. But one question that some people were worried about, and this actually came up too recently, uh, Julie Stewart Binks brought it up about waiving BX's, uh, you know, no movement clause. And I, I think that's something we may see, Eddie. You know, you, you brought this up and Thomas brought this up on the podcast last week. We may see it, maybe not now, but, you know, later on when, when the expansion draft comes because. Even if the Ducks do say move Fowler to Dupree, you know you still got to protect Lindholm, Votnin uh, on there, and whoever else you keep. I mean, so it's it's going to be a tricky situation because with the excess clause, he automatically goes under there. So uh, it could cause some problems, you know, because you also have Manson on the team that you're sure the Ducks would want to keep as well. So that's something to keep an eye on. I don't know if it'll happen right now, but that's something that we may see, you know, as the season um, progresses, you know, throughout next year. Yeah, and honestly, I think going into the season, I think Bieksa is, is, you know, despite popular opinion, I still think he's a valuable piece for the Ducks. I like the idea of having three right-shot defensemen and running with uh, Vaughn and Bieksa and Manson down the right side. I think it, it is extremely valuable for the Ducks, but there's definitely the possibility uh, uh, that, you know, Bieksa could waive his no-move clause or no-trade no clause come time for the expansion draft I, I don't think at the trade deadline but definitely for the expansion draft so that the ducks don't have to protect him and and honestly i i could really see him doing it I, you know i could see him be, there being a potential for him doing that you know i i think if he does get pe- picked up it's not a big deal for the ducks um i think a lot of people expect brandon montour to be ready not for this season but for for the 2017-2018 season so if bxa is the the player that vegas picks up from anaheim i i don't think it's a a huge deal for them and i i think you know come the time uh you know he he would be willing to to waive his no trade clause for that i, I think it's definitely a realistic possibility and, and you know i'm not surprised to to hear it kind of come up uh already 
Yeah, I agree, and I think that's uh, something that'll be on the horizon too. If he's not, you know, somehow, uh, you know, waving it now for a trade or something like that, it may come down the line. But uh, you know, you mentioned too bringing up some players, and that's really what the Ducks. I really think they're going to have to do all of these things, Eddie. I think they're going to have to go out and get some free agents. They're going to have to make one or two trades, and they're going to have to bring some players up. And we've got a lot of fan questions about that too. We had Matt and Adam. They asked about um, Nick Ritchie, obviously, uh, Cordelius as well, and I, I do think that those guys are going to see some more time uh you mentioned montour too uh even though the blue line stack you know may you know uh, nhl's a long season and and things happen hopefully nobody gets hurt obviously but if something happens maybe we see montours um come up in there i i think obviously theodore is going to be up there more but the ducks do have these players to bring and fill in and, and we may see more of them this coming season eddie um, but I, I do think the Ducks hopefully get a, a backup goalie and a, and a couple forwards out there and trade free agency and then possibly bring up some of these guys to uh, at least play uh, part of the season. Yeah, and realistically, like you said, one of all these things is going to happen. We we expect to see you know either Nason or Scarbosa or Corey Trop or or Richie or Cadillas. We we'd expect to see them you know either start the season with the Ducks or depending on how many you know fill holes they have to fill or or you know come up uh, from the goals during the regular season. I think a lot of us would think that Richie would start the season with the Ducks based on the holes they need to fill now. Maybe Corey Trop and he can fill a, a you know bottom pairing position with with say you know Chris Wagner as well. Um, and then you'd see a lot of these guys come up on tour probably fills a similar role to what Shea Theodore did last year that you know comes up during injuries plays a couple games maybe not as many games as Theodore played this year depending on how ready he is and, and how well he plays in, in the NHL but you know we, we definitely think Theodore is a guy that will crack the opening day roster depending on if a uh, Dupre or Fowler trade is made um, and then, you know, so like you said, some free agents, which would still probably be signed. There's some names out there not saying that they'll go out and sign a Hoodler or Verbata, but, you know, they could go out and sign a couple depth swords. Like we said, Peary is still an option. He could come back. Santorelli, Horkoff, any of the other smaller names like Matt Cullen. You know, I still think the Ducks make one or two free agent signings and then you still have to. And I honestly think it, it has to happen. It just it just makes too much sense for it not to happen in, in a trade involving either Fowler, most likely Fowler, maybe Dupre to, to the Detroit Red Wings. I think it, it just, right now, the situation both teams are in, the Ducks having to move a defenseman, Detroit most likely having to move a forward with, you know, they've only got one who has got, uh, who's waiver exempt in Anthony Mantha, and, well, two, but they're, they're not going to send down Dylan Larkin. So, you know, there, there has to be, it just makes too much sense for both teams there not to be a trade, and then you've kind of got all three things going on there. You know, you, we will see some guys come up, we'll we'll see the Ducks sign some players, and, and we might see a Fowler uh, trade to to uh, Detroit for one or two forwards from them. Yeah, everything is in flux. That's basically what it is, and. I know people are, you know, obviously not happy with the way that Friday went down uh, for the Ducks because we we thought hopefully, you know, maybe we'd get a backup goalie or you know at least one forward on, on the cheap, basically. I mean, and we didn't get anything, which I totally I I feel for everybody out there. I I was just as surprised as you guys. I, I knew that we weren't going to do much, uh, basically because of the financial situation that the Ducks are in. Um, also, being a budget team, you all know that. I don't have to say that again, but just so that's out there, um, that's part of the issue. And then Lynn Holman and Raquel, obviously, and, and trying to get those deals done. So I, I knew with all that going on, uh, and obviously some of the other rumblings we heard about certain players not coming back, I knew that there was going to be players leaving the team, a lot of them not coming back, and then uh, none of the, the big-name type stuff going on with Ducks you know, on Friday. So that didn't surprise me. But it did surprise me as the day went on uh, later, Eddie, and that's when a lot of you out there, I was cracking up. People were sending me messages left and right. E either people were uh, texting me or <laughs> sending me social media messages and some of the stuff I can't even repeat. But, I mean, you guys are pretty hilarious as far as uh, showing your frustration to me. And I, I, I sympathize with all of you because I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I really did think, uh, Eddie, that the Ducks would have got somebody you know, towards the end of the day, at least one guy. I mean, I, I really thought so. I, I knew they weren't going to get someone big, but 
it just it was kind of surprising and i th- i think the way that they're going to have to go is all the stuff that you and i already talked about and i think it's going to be a combination of things i just hope it, it happens sooner than later so a lot of us can you know not not be so frustrated yeah and really i mean we we knew they wouldn't sign one of the big names we knew it would be a big surprise if it happened um we expected a lot of them to get a lot of money i don't think i expected all of them to get around six, 5 to 6 7 years um, but you know, when you see that, you you don't really think that you know Mary might have inquired about them, but you know was probably scared away right away when when he heard the term that they were expecting. But it is disappointing, like you said, not to get anybody to help out in that forward depth, especially when you see guys like Perron and Stewart and McGinn, and and you know them all leave and, and go to different teams, and then not to bring in one player, not even a, you know like I said, I, I know I've mentioned a million times, but like a Chimera or a Purcell or somebody like that on a cheap one or two year deal just to fill some holes. Uh, I mean, it's disappointing to see. Uh, you know, obviously nothing other than Nate Ginnon has happened yet, and I th- I honestly think that's just to really replace Shea Theodore in the goals lineup because we expect him to be up with the Ducks this year. Um, not obviously not similar players, but just to to replace his absent with the goals. But you know, we'll, hopefully in, in the next week or so, we'll see maybe a trade, a, a couple signings, you know, something, something. Hopefully, will happen in, in the next few days. I know, because I mean, otherwise the podcast next week is going to be uh, pretty dry, pretty dry. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I look for. I you know, the Ducks they haven't done much, but. I mean, they have to do something. So, you know, things are going to happen. You know, it's just a question of when and, and who who's going to be with. And hopefully we gave you guys some hope as to some options that are out there for the Ducks as you enjoy your, you know, 4th of July weekend with your friends and family. Um, we do have one more question before we go, Eddie, and this one's a kind of a funny one. We had uh, Bonnie ask us, if you were a hockey player, what position would you play and why? So I want to toss that to you and, and you know, what position would you play and, and why? At this point, I think I'd play left wing just so the Ducks could sign me up, and we, we'd have a, <laughs> we'd have a forward signing, so we could actually have something to go with. But you know, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I, I I'm from Canada, and it's probably a weird thing to say, but I, I never played a lot of hockey. I didn't get a lot of chance to play ice hockey, but you know, like I said, I, I'd probably play forward. I think I'm more of a selfish person. I like to score score more goals than anything. But really, really, I would I would play left wing right now just so the Ducks could have somebody to sign and and we'd have something to talk about. You know, for me, it's kind of along the same lines. I would play goalie, so you know, I could just be the backup to Gibson. You know, I'm almost six five, two hundred twenty, two thirty, somewhere in there. So I can, you know, do a great job of blocking the net. I'm not that great at skating, so that's the other reason why I would play goalie. Um, and you know, hey, I would take a cheap deal. I could, you know, sit on the bench and hang out for you know fifty, sixty games <laughs> the next season. But that's where I would go. Uh, seriously, if I if that's if I was to make it big, that's that's what I would have done. But obviously, it didn't pan out, and I ended up doing some other things. But that was a, a funny question. So I figured I'd throw that out there at the end. And uh, one other thing, too, uh, just so everybody knows, it's July 3rd, so it's Tay Mussolini's birthday. So happy birthday to him. He's uh, over in Finland right now. He's coming back in August uh, when I last talked to him. So he'll be over there for a while. But uh, that's the only other little uh, news to throw out there. Um, be patient. I know it's hard. Try not to stay frustrated. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back in a week and hopefully have some some news to report, some good news. And uh, we'll see you then. Let's go Ducks.